0: Thank y'all so much for that. Good morning to you. It's good to see you here this morning. If you have your Bibles, I'll invite you to turn with me to the book of 1 John this morning, where we will continue to see uh, John's teaching and instruction that he gives to us. I pray that you have been blessed uh, by John's teaching. I pray that you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Uh, this morning will be in 1 John chapter 3, so as you're turning there, got a question for you. How many of you, whenever you want to emphasize something, uh, often repeat yourself several times to make sure that whoever you're emphasizing this to heard you? Do y'all ever do that? Now, now you need to be there by 10 o'clock. Hey, make sure that you're there. By 10 o'clock, and then you send a message, hey, y'all going to be there by 10 o'clock, right? When it's really important. Uh, we often use that. It's a tool that we use. We, we emphasize something by repeating it multiple times. Well, today, we're going to see John repeating a teaching that he's already taught us in the book of 1 John. Now, not the exact same words, not in the exact same way. He has a different emphasis. He has a different uh, application of this teaching, uh, but the overall point, the overall theme of these sermons are the same. And so in 1 John, chap- John chapter 2, we've already seen John telling us that we would know that we are in the light if we love all other Christians. And we'll know that we're still in the darkness if we, have not, if we don't love all other Christians. Today he's going to revisit that teaching and he's going to give us some specific application of what it looks like, What does it look like to love all other Christians. He's also going to help us to understand uh, how it is that we can come to the point of loving all other Christians, especially for those of us this morning that may think, Brother Zach, that's a really, really difficult thing to do. I think John is going to help clear that up for us, that it's not a difficult work for Christians to love other Christians. So look with me in 1 John chapter 3, just as an introduction, look in verse 11. John says, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And in John's writing, whenever he Refers to these people at the church that he's he's writing to. We're not sure exactly which church, but whenever he tells them something that they've heard from the beginning, our understanding is that, that since they have become Christians, they have heard this over and over. Not that this is a teaching that goes back to the creation story in Genesis, but but ever since you've become Christians, you've heard this teaching. John says, as long as you've been Christians, you should have known, you should have heard that we should love one another. This is not a new teaching. This is not something that we haven't heard. This isn't groundbreaking information for us. And John here is just kind of continuing the thought that he finished with last week. If you are here last week, John was teaching us about who are children of God and who are children of the devil. And there in verse 10, he said, By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God nor is the one who does not love his brother. And then upon saying that, it's like John continues to expound on this idea of loving your brothers. And so, so as I told you, as I mentioned that idea of us repeating things to show emphasis, Scripture does that as well. Themes that are really important in Scripture Uh, themes that are emphasized, I'll say. They're all really important, but ones that are emphasized we often see several times. Sometimes you can see it several times in the context of just one piece of scripture. There are several times that Jesus would repeat himself while giving one speech, but here we see in this book, in John's writings, he repeats this over and over. So in in chapter 2, don't have to look there, but in chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, that's where he told us that those that are in the light will love their brothers, and those that are in darkness will not. And then in chapter 3, verse 10, that I just read, he said, uh, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. And then he says what he's going to give us today, which we'll look at verses 11 all the way through verses 18, he teaches about loving other brothers. And then... In chapter 4, he's going to teach us even more about loving one another. And then, in Second John, he revisits this topic again. And in his gospel, he gives us one of the most clear teachings. In John chapter 13, 34 and 35, he quotes Jesus as saying, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another, so so John teaches that all Christians will love each other. Several times in the book of First John and the book of Second John, and in his gospel, he quotes Jesus saying it, and that should show us, brothers and sisters that this is an emphasized teaching. This is a major theme in John's writings, is that love is something that all Christians will have for one another. He tells us in this book that we will know whether we're in the light or dark by this, that we will know whether we're children of God or children of the devil by this, and in just a few minutes we're going to see him saying, we will know if we have passed from death into life by whether or not we love all other Christians. So point one this morning, Christians will love all other Christians with emphasis on will. I put it in all capital letters, and, and I want to go ahead and tell you that this is the main point. The main point of this teaching, one of the main things that John gives us, we'll talk about some other things, we'll talk about an application of this in just a little bit, but I want you to know that this teaching in and of itself is the main point. It's why it's point one and point three, and the opposite of it is what we shouldn't do, is point two this morning. So points one, points two, and points three are pretty much all the same point. Why? Because you get the point. Brothers and sisters, Christians will love each other. That's the teaching. It's what we have to grasp. And and originally, when I first sat down this week and started studying this text... I had this point different. It said Christians must love all other Christians. And that might seem like a small discrepancy to you for me to say Christians will love all other Christians versus Christians must love all other Christians. You say, Brother Zach, you're saying the same thing. You're just saying it in different ways. But I say often that words are important. And I think as we go through this text, you'll understand why I felt it was important to use the word will rather than the word must. We'll get to that in just a moment. Let's look in verses 12 and 13 where he gives us a negative example. I'm thankful the scripture does this often. It tells us to do something and it says this is what you want to avoid doing and this is what you want to do. And so we have that here. This is what we should avoid doing. Verses 12 and 13. We should not be like Cain who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. So so John here, thinking about brothers loving one another, or brothers hating one another, a pretty good example of one of these in Scripture is Cain literally hating his brother to the point of murdering him. Now, long story short, if you're not familiar with that, this are, these are Adam and Eve's sons, and they both bring offerings to God, and Abel's is accepted, and Cain's is rejected, and so Cain decides to murder his brother. He does. He literally murders his brother. And he's saying here that we don't need to. He literally said, we should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And then he kind of. Uh, continues on with that teaching in verse 13. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. He's already talked about the world, right? He's not talking about the earth. We discussed that a few weeks back. He's talking about lost people, things that are following the lostness and the, the lost cause of this world. They're following the teachings of Satan that are rebelling against God. So he says, when lost people, when evil people, when unsaved people hate you, shouldn't be surprising to you. Cain here, it shouldn't really be that surprising to us that he murdered his brother because Cain was of the evil one. Cain was following Satan. And whenever somebody that's lost and following Satan does something bad, that should not be shocking to us. It's by their very nature what they're doing. They're following Satan. And so whenever Cain did it, it shouldn't be shocking to us. And whenever people of the world hate us, it should not be shocking to us. We should expect that they should do this. And so this is the negative example. We should not murder our brothers. Y'all are like, this is good. This is good teaching. Uh, we should not hate other people. If you're following Satan, you hate other people. Following Satan, you want to murder other people. But he's saying that since we follow God, since we have been transformed by faith in Jesus Christ, we should love one another and we shouldn't do these things so so this is one of those that i I feel like whenever we hear this it's one of those where you kind of relax somebody was talking to me just last week about it's time for me to start preaching to other people i won't mention his name uh but you know you say all right brother zach's not stepping on my toes this morning because brother zach is saying that we need to show that we love other christians by not murdering any other christians And I feel pretty good about this because I've never murdered any other Christian. Raise your hand if you've ever murdered another Christian. That's going to get awkward real quick. So we feel good about this, but I want you to see that that's not exactly the only thing that John's teaching. Certainly he is teaching that. That is part of his teaching. but, But he equates here this idea of murder, which Cain takes place in, and this idea of hate in which the world takes, uh, takes part in, in verse 13, he, he's equating these two together. And so what John is really teaching here, because he's already told us, if you weren't here when we looked at chapter 2, he's already told us that if you don't love somebody, then you hate them. John doesn't give us this in-between. We've talked about John's dichotomous teachings. John says, one or the other, you love or you hate. So he's saying if you don't love, then you hate there's another Christian that you don't love, you say, I just don't like them. John says, you hate them. And now he's saying, if you don't love them, then you hate them. And if you hate them, it's the same as having murdered them. And then all of a sudden, we step back, because I've told you before, John's just really, really direct in his teachings. And we say, brother, I don't think I agree with John. And the thing is, you don't get a choice. Because John's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So this is God's word, right? We can't say, I don't agree with God. We can, we shouldn't. So he says, this idea that he's telling is that if you don't love one another, and you hate one another. And if you hate one another, it's it's can be equated, can be seen the same as having murdered. Now, not in the court of law, right? Not that you're going to prison because you hate somebody. But in the spiritual sense, it's the same thing. You hate a brother. It's the same as having murdered him. And, and you say, well, hang on just one second, brother. Where, where, do you, where do you find this idea? Where does John find it on such authority that he can tell us that hating somebody is the same as murdering them? And in Matthew chapter 5, you don't have to turn there. I think we have these verses for you. In Matthew 5, 21 and 22, Jesus said this. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. And so he doesn't use the word hate, but he gives these examples. He says, we well, used to say if you, if you murder, then you're going to be judged. But now I'm telling you that if you're angry with your brother without reason, uh, that if you're insulting your brother, that if you are saying negative things or ugly things about or to your brother, that you're also following the same course. And Jesus equates this idea of showing hatred towards somebody as being the same as murdering them. So you say, where does John get this teaching that hate, spiritually speaking, is the same as murder? And I tell you he gets it from Jesus. Pretty good source. Point two, Christians won't hate any other Christians. I told you it's just kind of the flip side of point one. Point one, Christians will love other Christians. Point two, Christians won't hate any other Christian. But it's what he's telling us here. Make sure, make sure, be careful that you're not hating one another. We can't hate one another. We shouldn't be like Cain. Those that hate, those that murder, those that do these things are following Satan. People that are following Jesus aren't going to do these things. Warning sign. If you find yourself hating another brother or sister, it's a really big warning sign. And verses 14 and 15 were key verses in in this section to me. These are the two verses that kind of this entire teaching uh, really, really works upon, that, that they build upon showing us why I use the word will, Christians will love rather than Christians must love. So pay attention here to verses 14 and 15 with me. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. John here, right, we've seen in his letter several times, John has given us ways that we can know whether we are saved or not. John told us that if we are walking in light rather than darkness, we know we're saved. If we're following Jesus' example, we know that we're saved. If we're keeping Jesus' commandments, we know that we're saved. If we're loving our brother, and he's just giving us this here in different language, we know that we have passed out of death. This is spiritual death. We have passed from being spiritually dead to being spiritually alive because... We love the brothers. If you want, just to help us get our mind around this, you could replace because with if. We know that we have passed out of death into life if we love the brothers. So he says that, that if you have been made new... If God has made you regenerate, if God has changed your heart, if God has brought you from the point of being spiritually dead to being spiritually alive because you have entered into a relationship with him through faith in Jesus Christ. If you are a Christian, you will know that you're a Christian. You'll know that you've been made alive because you will love the brothers. I want to read this to you. Uh, Dr. Danny Akin president of Southeastern Seminary, used to be dean of uh, theology at Southern Seminary, and his commentary on 1 John, I thought, put this very, very well, and so I just wanted to read to you what he wrote uh, instead of trying to put it in my words. About this specific point, he said, In other words, eternal life is not earned by loving the brothers. Rather, loving the brothers is evidence that one has made the transition from death to life. Loving the brothers is an avenue of assurance of eternal life, but is not the means for obtaining it. As John has noted before, the Christian is one who loves others as Christ has loved them. On the other hand, the absence of Christian love indicates that one has not passed into the state of spiritual life, but remains in the realm of spiritual death. They walk in the darkness, not in the light. The state of spiritual death is one into which a person is born and continues to exist if regeneration does not occur. So so what he's helping us to see here, what John is saying to us here, because whenever we talked about this a few weeks ago, you may have gotten the impression that I was telling you that if you don't love other Christians, that you need to make yourself love all other Christians. You need to work really hard to make yourself do that. But I think John here is clearing it up and showing us this idea. He's telling you that if you are a Christian, that this isn't something that you have to muster up inside of yourself. It's not, oh, I need to start loving so-and-so so that Jesus will accept me. I don't want you to walk away from here with this teaching. If I can start loving all the other Christians, then Jesus will accept me. Because you know what that is? That's legalism. That's heresy is what that is. If you tell me if I can start doing this and doing this isn't have faith in Jesus Christ, anything else, if I can start doing so and so, then God will accept me. And I don't love other Christians, so I need to make myself love other Christians so that God will accept me. No, that's not what John teaches here. What John teaches here is that that Jesus Christ left heaven and came to earth and lived a perfect life and died a perfect death and then was resurrected from the dead and that the only way you can be saved is to have faith in Him. And that when you have faith in Him, that He makes you new. We see this throughout the Scripture. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us, Shows us this idea that when we come to Christ, that it's like taking off the old self and putting on a new self, being renewed in the spirit of our mind, as he puts it. In Jeremiah 31, God gave Jeremiah this prophecy that, that one day that what God was going to do is that he was going to write his law on the heart of his people and put a love for his law inside of his people and that they would then follow him, not because they had to, but because it was this innate desire they wanted. To do the things that God had for them. And in Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 26. I think we have that verse for you. says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And be careful to obey my rules. See this teaching here that when you are born again, when you come to the point of having faith in Jesus Christ and giving your life to him, he takes your old sinful heart out and he gives you a new heart and it has God's law written on it. and he puts his spirit within you. And now it's not, I'm going to make myself love other people, but it's because of God's heart that he's given me because he has taken me from being dead and made me alive now i love all other christians not to make myself love other christians god has made it so that i love all other christians it's regeneration is what it is it's being made new not because you worked hard at it but because god made it available through faith in jesus christ brother and sister we can't miss this point this is a huge huge point not, I'll love everybody so God will love me. It's, I love everybody because God has made that possible for me. I hope you don't miss that. I want to give you an example of this. It's not a one-to-one comparison, but it's a specific personal example for me of God making me, allowing me, causing me to do something that I couldn't just do on my own. Um, none of y'all follow my blog because I haven't written anything on my blog in several years, so I haven't told you about it, but, but when I used to write a blog, the most popular blog post that I ever had was entitled, I used to be racist. I think some folks say, man, I got to see what the preacher wrote that. I got to see what this says. And I talked about how whenever I was growing up, I grew up in Philadelphia, and a lot of you know the history of Philadelphia and a lot of the racist things and things that took place in Neshoba County. And, and a lot of those teachings and beliefs are still prevalent there. Now, we don't say it, they don't say it the way that they used to. They don't walk around and, and teach the kids, listen, uh, little Zach, you're better than all the black kids and you're better than all the Choctaw kids and you're better. They don't say it that way, but it still comes across that way. In church, in school, this is a teaching that I saw and heard because of jokes that people made. I was raised to believe that I was better than other people because my skin was lighter than theirs. So I believed that. Whenever I was in junior high and high school, I believed that. I made those jokes. I lived that way. I looked at people that way. And I didn't have a desire to change. But you see, whenever I came to faith in Jesus Christ... Something happened. And Christ took my old sinful heart that was filled with things like that, and He removed it. And He gave me this new heart. And all of a sudden, it didn't happen like this, but I just I noticed that that I didn't look at people of a different skin color the same way that I had before. Not because I'd worked and made myself see them differently. No, because inside there was something different about me. And what it was, was was God had made me new and he had given me his spirit and God's Holy Spirit lives inside of me. And so now I can't look at people that are a different skin color and say they're not as good as me because the Holy Spirit that lives inside of me says that's a lie when I try to say it. and says the truth is this, I've made all of you. I'm the one that made that person and that person and that person and I'm the one that made you. And you're not better than any of them. That the only reason that you're saved, the only reason that you're bound for heaven is because, Zach, I saved you. I sent my son. I did all of the work. And I want every one of them, no matter how light or dark their skin color is, no matter what they sound like, no matter where they live, I want them to hear this gospel. I desire that they would repent as well. And so now I see... All people is being the same. And I'm just telling you this, not because I'm bragging. I'm telling you this because I want you to see an example of something that would be so difficult to change on my own. Years and years and years of innate teaching and belief that I was better than other people because of this reason. I don't know how or if I ever could have changed that on my own. And without even desiring it, God changed it in me. And that's what this is like. You say, brothers, I don't know how I could love all other Christians. I know how by getting a new heart. I don't know how I could ever look at those people that have done this or or said these things or acted that way and love them. I know how by God putting his Holy Spirit inside of you. By being born again, you would pass from death to life. And one of the clear indicators that you have passed from death into life Because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Point three is point one. Christians will love all other Christians. You see why I don't use must? I don't want to say Christians must love all other Christians because I don't want to give you the indication that you need to start making yourself do it muster it up no you will if you're a christian you will you'll love other christians you may not know how you may not know why but you will you'll find yourself having this natural desire to love other christians seeing them as your brother seeing them as your sister caring about them caring about their needs and where they are you'll find this inside of you not because you work to have it but because christ has given it to you then in verses 16 through 18 he helps us to see a clear indication of how we should be sharing this love for other brothers. He says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So he, he gives us the, the supreme example of love for the brothers, right? Christ left heaven, came to earth, and died for us. There's the supreme example. He said, you want to know what love looks like? Look, look to Christ. He lived a perfect life. He died an atoning death for us. There's your example of love. So he, he's already told us that we should be following Jesus' example. And now he says, this is how Jesus showed his love. And so then he just puts two and two together and says, if Christ did that, End of verse 16, we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. We should love one another enough that if we were called to do it, that we would give our life for other Christians. That we would sacrifice. We've been talking in my Sunday night group that I've been meeting with about sacrifice and serving other brothers and sisters. We should be willing to do that. We should want to do that, even to the point of our life if it called for it. But in our current setting in the United States, in Brookhaven, Mississippi, it's not something that's likely that we'll be called to give our lives for the brothers. For some people, this is a very real thing that may happen tomorrow. For us, it's not as likely. But verse 16 is, uh, verse 17, I'm sorry. Verse 17 is something that we will probably see even this week. And it seems like much less serious of a teaching then laying down your life for each other, right? Seeing that another brother or sister has a need, that we have the material goods to meet, and meeting that need, right? If I say, which one of those sounds like it's a lot harder, dying for other Christians or giving your material goods to meet the needs of another Christian? I think most of us would say, well, meeting the needs of another Christian doesn't seem as serious of a task. But man, if we're honest, sometimes we act like it's just as hard, don't we? Somebody ask us to give something that we have to meet their need, knowing that we're not going to get it back, and sometimes it's like they've asked us to die in their place. But John tells us here, we should do it. He says, if anyone has the world's goods, you have the means, you see a brother in need, and close your heart against him. The idea here is literally, and we use this terminology of putting up a wall, closing a door. I see that you have a need. I understand your need, but I'm going to put a barrier between me and you to separate your need from me so that I'm not meeting your need and so that I'm not thinking about your need and that I'm not looking at you. I'm going to separate myself from you. John says, if you do that, if you see another brother that has a need that you you could meet and you just cut them off completely, how does God's love abide in you? It's a question he asks. And then he says in verse 18, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. The last point, point four, true love for other Christians will lead us to sacrifice for their needs. Say true love because we can have a false love, right? I can say, yeah, I love, I love y'all. I love all the other Christians. I can say that and not mean it. John says, if you say it and if you mean it, and the Lord has changed your heart to do it, it will come out this way. You'll be willing to sacrifice for other people's needs. You'll be willing to serve other brothers and sisters. You'll be willing to, to not shut them out and push them away, but to do what you can to help them. You'll want to do that. So this morning, John's given us a lot to think about. Right? He, he has called us, I believe, to examine our life, to ask ourselves, Some questions. The first one has to be Do you love all other Christians? Is it a a natural thing? Do you look at one another like you're actually brothers and sisters? Right? Not in the blood sense, but do you look at them as people that are part of your family that you love? Do you care about them? And if the answer is no, then I think you need to step back and say Do I really have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ? Have I ever truly entered into a relationship with God or have I just been playing the church game for all these years? Because his teaching is that if you really have, if you have really entered into that relationship, if you've really come to the point of faith in Jesus Christ, that the new heart and the spirit that he's given you will lead you to love other Christians. So as you ask yourself these questions, I don't know what it's going to lead you to. I don't know if you need to repent. I don't know if you need to ask the Lord for forgiveness. I don't know if you need to to come and ask Him to be your Lord and Savior for the first time ever. You just now realize that you've never done that. Maybe you need to go to another brother or sister and you need to ask for forgiveness. Because although you should have been loving them, you've been hating them. But even though you've seen that they had a need that you can meet, you've been building that barrier and shutting yourself off from them. And you know that the Lord has convicted you and that you need to go and you need to ask their forgiveness. I don't know how you respond to this text. I'm going to invite you to stand. And I want us to take some time specifically this morning to consider these things and to ask the Lord how we need to apply this specific teaching in our lives what you need to do differently, because now you understand this truth. I, for one, have been praising God all week that He has allowed me to do something that I wouldn't have been able to do on my own. I wouldn't have ever just started loving all other Christians just because I mustered it up and because I'm a great person. I'm selfish just like any other person. But He has given me a heart that allows me to love others, and I'm thankful, and I'm excited. So you do what you need to. Pray where you are. Pray at these altars. Come and I'll pray with you. But you do whatever the Lord's leading you to as Brother Shane leads us in the hymn of invitation.